you can learn to pair the foods and their value with how you feel, which then ultimately you can do mindful eating and be intuitive about your diet. You just have to learn how to do it first. You can't just jump in and be. Welcome back to the In-Situ Collective. We have helped hundreds of people reach their health and fitness goals. This podcast is a chat about the journey along the way, lessons learned, teachable moments, and any topics we think that will help you reach your health and fitness goals as well. If we haven't met before, my name is Jack. I'm the PT. Joining me is my partner, Mac. She is the nutrition coach and soon-to-be psychologist. If I was to ask you what was the most demonized food and underrated food out there at the moment, what would you say? 100% it would have to be salt. Yes, I agree. Um, And this is a great conversation to have because I've had this conversation a couple of times over the last couple of weeks (laughs) with a few different clients about salt. And salt is very demonized and there's a good reason for that. Um, And I... I think a lot of people should take that on board, but salt is very important as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think the reason it's demonized is because generally it comes on or you can taste it on heavily processed foods. So I don't know, you wouldn't really necessarily, if you got a sandwich to take away, you wouldn't necessarily taste the salt like in a salad sandwich, but there's probably salt there. Whereas you get hot chips or potato chips or I don't know, I don't eat much processed food, so I don't really know, (laughs) but something like that. And it's heavily, it tastes like salt. So then people associate salt with processed food and processed food as being bad, Mm. which is not the case for salt alone, processed Mm. food maybe, but. And there's a big difference between salt and sodium as well. Yes. So, um, you might see sodium on the back of, pack, back of the packages and that amount of sodium doesn't necessarily equal the same amount of salt. So that's a good thing to be aware of as well. And a lot of the time, like all these takeaway places, big burger chains, all that sort of stuff, their meat is heavily salted as well. Mm. It's a preservative. Um, so obviously it preserves the meat so they can keep it in their fridges for longer. But as well as... Um, it makes it taste that salty goodness. Yeah. It is very addictive, whether you realize it or not, that salt does trigger something in your brain to want more of it. Yeah. And I think like back in the day, probably not that far back in the day, but let's say like tens of years, mm-hmm. salt, table salt was so common. I mean, half of my family still has table salt, especially the older generation, and they like cake their food in the salt, right? So I think that people had salt, but they were just back then, but they were just adding it to their vegetables and meat. Whereas now they're having salty foods like salty peanuts, salty chips, and then still adding that same amount of salt to their main meals. And it's just like, it's too much. Mm. And I know that lately we've spoken to a lot of people about their doctors telling them to cut out salt to improve their blood pressure. And a lot of the time, I think, why didn't the doctor just tell you to maybe clean up your diet in general? Why, why are they telling you to cut out a whole mineral, you know, that helps so many of your bodily functions happen? Like our cells cannot be cells and transfer nutrients without the help of sodium. Mm. Um, we were at a friend's one night for dinner and we were talking about, 
us doing the 75 hard challenge actually and how we had to eat well and not have takeaway or whatever for 75 days and one of our friends is a doctor and Jack was saying how he adds salt to all of the meals that he cooks and then sometimes we put salt in our water bottles as well if we feel like we need it and she was like oh that's probably way too much salt like you guys don't need to eat that much salt it's going to cause kidney problems and stuff like that but then we explained that we do not eat any processed food or takeaway or takeaway Mm. so the only salt we get in our diet is what we physically put into our food with the salt shaker (laughs) yeah and like it's not as if we never do we occasionally do have takeaway or go out for meals and that sort of stuff and when we do you regulate because we can add it to our food, we regulate how much we have during the day or the next day. Yeah. It's not like um, we have all this salt and then we go out for dinner and we've had like double the amount of salt because of the meal. We can still regulate the amount of salt we're taking into our diet. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like A lot of people don't realize how much salt is in stuff because there's a whole science behind it now. A lot of the big food manufacturers will we've spoken about this with sugar. So there's a science about the perfect amount of sugar and the perfect amount of salt in certain foods, whatever, whether it's sweet or savory. savory. Um, there's a perfect amount of mixture of both that almost addicts you to that, addicts you, yeah. addicted to that food. So you go back for more and more. So these companies are paying millions of dollars to work out that perfect amount of both. And, you'd be blown away to see how much it actually is. And that is the whole reason why salt is demonized because of that whole industry and it's been added into the food so much. Yeah, because we are being heavily manipulated everywhere we turn. Yeah, but it shouldn't be demon. It should be demonized in that light. But like Max said, because we cleaned up our diet so much, we need to add salt in. Mm. Otherwise, we wouldn't get any. And it is so important in your um, within your body. Yeah. And because when people start to move away from processed foods, they probably think that it's a good thing that they're eating less processed foods. It's a good thing they're eating less salt and no one tells you that you still need it. Like it's still essential for all the things to happen in your body Mm. because it is demonized. So yeah. And I guess also there is a big difference between like table salt like that very fine super salty kind of stuff and like pink himalayan salt or rock salt or salt flakes or yeah and that, anything like that that's the thing so the sodium content is different in those and that's where people get caught up so table salt because it is processed the sodium is actually higher mm. than what it would be in um sea salt yeah so you can have a little bit more sea salt and still have less sodium than you did from the table salt yeah Um, so what, let's say somebody is going down their journey. They've started to cut out a bit of processed food. Um, what would be some signs of lack of sugar that they could look out of? Lack of salt. salt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the biggest sign that I personally notice is I cannot quench my thirst. Simply cannot quench my thirst or I'm going to the bathroom far too much. Mm. Um, And that happens when you don't have enough salt in your diet and you're drinking a lot of water and the water just goes straight through you because you need salt for your body to hold on to any fluid and use any fluid. So if you don't have enough salt in your diet and you're drinking a lot of water and you're going to the bathroom a lot, then that's a big sign that you need to add a little bit more. 
Yeah. So for me, it's muscle cramps. Oh, yeah. So um, I suffer from muscle cramps. I know there's a lot of people out there that does. So they all feel my pain every time <laughs> it happens. Uh, and salt, I, I know when I like those people that get muscle cramps know when they're coming on because you get that little tingle in your muscle and then all of a sudden it just grabs. So if I'm low on salt, I'll continuously get those little niggles and grabs in my muscles. Um, that's a good indication for me. Uh, I do have quite a lot of salt because I am a sweaty person. Mm -hmm. I just sweat sitting here talking, I'll be sweating. Um, so obviously I need a bit more salt than normal people. Um, but, and again, this is the whole thing. Like, let's say you've realized how should people start adding their salt in? I would say just start adding it to like savory meals first. If you're not having any at all, that's the easiest place to start because also you're absorbing nutrients with the salt. So it's going to be put to work straight away and it's going to be used by your body. Next, probably just putting like, it depends on the symptoms, I guess, that people are having. It's very hard to give general advice, but after adding a little bit to your meals and monitoring how you feel cramp-wise, pee-wise and thirst-wise, um, I guess adding just like a little crack of a salt shaker to your water bottle, um, especially if you eat extremely clean, like we said, because, yeah, I know if we don't have... I generally like to add salt to our smoothie as well in the morning because you spend, I don't know, eight to ten hours in bed and you don't drink any water and then you get up and it's likely, or I hope, that you guzzle water in the morning because you haven't had any water for so long. And then you probably aren't going to have any salt until lunchtime or even later. So you, the water just goes straight through. So just adding a little bit of salt to your meals and then next, I guess, to your water bottle. Mm. I did want to just put a disclaimer on the end of this. I know it should be at the start. But <laughs> the thing with salt is it, it has a lot to do with your blood pressure as well. Um, so it... Although it helps you absorb water, retain water, help you digest food better, helps your cells function better, there is obviously, like we talked about at the start, salt is demonized because it can raise your blood pressure. Um, so if you're listening and you're thinking, oh, wow, should I be adding salt in that sort of stuff? You should be talking to your doctor or regulating your blood pressure as well mm -hmm. whilst you're... Whilst you're Changing everything in your life. Experimenting with a bit of salt. Yeah. So just be mindful of that. And everybody's different. There's no amount of salt we can just say to this one person, go, you know, you need this much salt in your diet. Yeah. Everybody's different. It depends on how active you are. Again, how sweaty you are. Everybody digests it different. So be smart about this. It can, like too much salt can make you very sick. So just... Be smart. Don't, don't go over the top. We're talking like just a couple of cracks. <laughs> Slowly add it in. Please, if you've got any sort of blood pressure issues, please talk to your doctor before you do that. Um, and yeah, go from there. Yeah. Did you know there is only 92 days left in this year? Crazy, isn't it? To help you get in the best shape of your life next year, we're going to bundle two of our favorite programs together the six-week at-home weight loss program and the 12-week Move Well, Look Good resistance program. This means you'll have over 90 days of perfectly phased programming to get you into next year. 
because these programs are broken up into different phases, it means you're gonna continually get results well into next year. Normally, both these programs individually would cost you well over $200, but this special offer on this bundle is gonna cost you $187. The best part about it, it is just one-off payment of $187. So once you pay for it, you got it for life. This means once you're finished, you can go back to the start and continue getting those results. Make sure you hit the link in the show notes to get this special offer because it's only going to be around for the next two weeks. Have you ever been on a diet that has been 1200 calories or less? Maybe when I was a tiny infant. <laughs> Actually, like you've never eaten. I suppose you're a big guy. You would never consider going that low, right? Not on purpose. Obviously, there'd be days where I would consume under 1200 because of whatever reasons, but it doesn't happen regularly. Yeah. So generally, if someone is looking to lose weight, they sign up to something like MyFitnessPal or they get a meal plan, right? And for some strange reason, 1200 calories seems to be the magic number that gets given to you by MyFitnessPal or someone that doesn't know what they're doing that's given you a meal plan, mm. right? But we were listening to a podcast the other day talking about just current world events and they were speaking about famine in, can you remember what the country was? So it, they were just talking worldwide. So the conflict in Russia and Ukraine is going to affect the food production of the world and they yep. were saying famine. famine. Is going <laughs> to increase. So, yeah, and they essentially said that famine is defined as consuming 1200 calories or less for a long period of time. And that just blew my mind because there are so many people here in like a very well functioning Western society that eat 1200 calories or less and for and, a long period of time. And for and choosing to. Yes, they're not doing it because they don't have a supply of food. They're mm. doing it because they want to lose weight. It's funny though, how, how often when you're growing up and you didn't eat all your food and your mum or dad's like, if you don't eat that, I'll have to send it to the kids in the third world country that are starving. Yeah. And you're like, well, now there's people willingly doing that in our own country. Yes, 100%. <laughs> and I would just say like, I would never recommend anybody eat probably less than even 1600 calories. Mm. There, there's just no need. Like food is fuel. Like food helps you live, breathe, think, digest, sleep, go to the toilet, hold yourself up. Everything that you do is determined by how much food you eat, right? And yeah, it just blew my mind that there are so many people that have put themselves in famine. Yeah. Um, I know we've been banging on sort of this same topic for the last couple of weeks, but it is so important. It's crazy to think, you know, everybody listening, how often would you run your car to it's empty? No one. No, everybody freaks out before your car even gets to empty, you're filling it back up. But do you even know if you're doing that to your body? Yeah. How many people don't fill up their tank and fuel their body properly and are just running on empty? Yeah. But unfortunately, or fortunately, your body will just keep going even if it hasn't got any fuel. Yeah. It'll just break down muscles. It'll start, extreme cases, it's going to start breaking down all your organs. 
so you can actually keep living Mm -hmm. where your car will just stop. Your body just hasn't got that ability to just stop you. It will just keep going until you die. Yeah. So, yeah. And I just thought of a really good point and I lost it. Damn it. Um, And it just goes for the calorie counting side of things. A lot of people get very emotional when they hear the words Mm. calorie counting and it brings up a lot of bad emotions because of that. So a lot of people will sign up to MyFitnessPal or get a meal plan and it's count your calories and don't go over 1,200. So in that time, they're starving. So they're going to be angry, upset, mm-hmm. emotional. Feel like shit. Feel like, like shit. like shit. Train like shit. So you're going to associate counting your calories with that. And it shouldn't be like that. Counting, counting your calories should be giving you more energy. It should be filling you up with energy so you can go and smash the day, do your workouts, get more work done, achieve more, all that sort of stuff because you've got enough fuel. So um, next time you, if you've had that bad, bad experience, please reach out and we'll help you do it the right way. Yeah. But count your calories and eat enough. Like there's calorie cal- calculators out there now that are better. So you should be able to work out how much you actually need to fun- be a functional human do that and see the difference. Yeah. See how bad you felt on the 1200 or the very low and then see how you feel on the high end. Yeah. You'll probably look, you'll start looking better after a while as well. Your body will fill out, you'll be leaner, you'll be stronger. So you'll actually get better aesthetic goals by eating more as well. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to say that I forgot about how many clients have come to us. And I always ask people, before I assign them calories or ask them to start MyFitnessPal, have you used MyFitnessPal before and what was that experience (laughs) like? Because I know that it can scare, especially if it's a consultation and people haven't signed up, I know that me suggesting that like makes people run. Mm. And it also really grinds my gears at the minute that a lot of like dietitians and nutritionists and whatever, PTs and everyone like that that has some sort of qualification that is online um, is demonizing calorie counting at the minute. Mm. Everyone's leaning towards eat what you feel and mindful eating and intuition and yes, but also it's very hard for you to learn like what is in your food. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't want people to use my fitness pal forever and just do it to look at the numbers. I want them to actually learn like what foods where does fat where does fat come from and like how much is fat worth like what foods are carbohydrate dense and what vitamins and minerals come in what foods you know it's it just annoys me how like how demonized calorie mm. counting is and i know you say most clients or most people you talk to freak out when you hear calorie counting but those that actually take it on board and do it properly every single one of our clients i can't think of one that hasn't got something out of doing it properly are shocked like about the food intake mm-hmm. and they always go oh i didn't realize that this was so high in fat and yeah. this and that and they actually enjoy the process because they're learning they're feeling good so and, and that's it when you have when you focus it on learning the whole point is you don't have to do it forever mm. you don't have to continuously count your calories because you'll know and you can learn to pair the foods and their value with how you feel which then ultimately you can do mindful eating and be intuitive about your diet. You just have to learn how to do it first. You can't just jump in and be intuitive like that. Yeah, it, it sucks. 
yeah. to start with. I'm not going to lie, it sucks and it does take a lot of hard work to do. But now, I, like, I've done it that many times. We probably do it maybe a couple of times a year for a day or two just to make sure we're on track. But that's all we need. Yeah. And now I know roughly how many calories in a meal, how much protein, how much carbs, how much fat because I put in the time and effort. Yeah. Um, it just sucks at start because, yeah, it does take a lot of work and dedication to do it. But it, it like it's I'd temporary. say three or four hard, good, solid weeks of doing it properly and you probably don't have to ever do it again and you'll have a really good knowledge of food. Yeah. All right. Enough about that. Question time? <laughs> In the questions. Okay, I've got a few. The first one I missed last week, but it was, do you guys travel often and how do you eat healthy when you're traveling? Mm. There was a time when we first started the business when we didn't have much to do <laughs> and we were traveling around a lot. Um, and I think the best thing that you can do like when traveling, because obviously it's hard to take food in the car that is filling and nutritious and healthy and whatever, um, was to plan our route towards an Oliver's, plan our stops orientated around an Oliver's, which so is what's a, hard. What, yeah, I'll what's get there. An, olive? an Oliver's in Australia, not all of Australia, unfortunately, but definitely a lot in New South Wales and Queensland is a fast food. I'm doing air quotations for those of you listening. Fast food place that serves vegetables and very healthy options very healthy options. so instead of chips you can get like sweet potato and you can get steamed beans with salt and you can get salads and boiled eggs and wraps and smoothies and just mm. nice good clean food and i think that that was the best because sometimes like you can take fruit in the car and you can take nuts in the car but for me i eat that and i'm like hungry like this again um, so having that, like having something that's warm and actually filling mm. and feels like a proper meal actually makes me feel so much better because traveling does make you feel kind of ick. Yeah. And we do, like, if we don't have that option, we'll stop in a smaller town and actually go to a supermarket and get enough stuff to make wraps or a sandwich something, or something in like the that. boot of the car. Yeah. So like, obviously that's not an option. If you're traveling, you don't want to pull into a major city because it takes you three hours just to get to the... Woolworths or Coles or something. Yeah. So we, you do it in a small town where it's pretty much on the highway anyway, and you can stop, have a like a decent meal, wake you up a little bit, and you can keep going. Yeah, I will say also it's okay to eat less mm. when you're traveling because you are doing far less. Like you're probably sitting down for most of the day, so you're not using as much energy. Um, so it's okay. Like don't stress if you don't get three meals in. Two meals is probably fine with a couple of snacks. The other thing that I would suggest, last week we spoke about the evolution of eating and how when you start eating healthy, you can't just go from eating processed foods to super healthy foods. You have to evolve through it and get better. I think when you're traveling, you just have to take a step backwards towards how you used to eat, I guess, but not too far. So I know personally, I am very anal about the food that I eat. Like I like to eat I don't like junk food, just period. I don't like it. It makes me feel like shit. And I just genuinely, I don't want to eat it. So when we do travel, I just take think about it like taking one step backwards. So like last week I spoke about getting a not so healthy wrap, you know? So just, it's okay. It's only temporary. You can get a wrap or a sandwich or something that you don't normally eat. And yeah, just know that it's only 
for a few days. Yeah. Just let go of perfection for a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Mm. Next. Next question. Mm. Um, thoughts on fasting when you exercise in the morning? Cortisol, I wrote perfect, but it's meant to be performance, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, so I think this question comes from last week when I spoke about me not eating in the mornings. I'm yeah. not calling it fasting. Yeah, well, she did write time-restricted window, but it was too long for me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I stop eating in the morning, for whatever reason, whether I'm busy or calorie control, that sort of stuff, I don't train. So I've now moved my workouts to the afternoon within my eating window, so I've got energy. Um, as for the performance side of things, so there was, I don't know where it come from, but a while ago there was that thing of doing cardio when you're fasted or a cardio class or some sort of high intensity workout when you're fasted, mm -hmm. gives you more fat burn and it's actually the opposite. Yeah. Because the people that were doing the workout faster didn't have as much energy to put into the workout, their performance was lower, where the people that had energy because they ate, their performance was better, so they bought more, they burnt more calories. Yeah. So um, you want to eat to fuel your workouts. Um, but in saying that, the difference of those two groups was very minimal. Like it, for us average Joes, like we are in health and fitness, we live health and fitness, we do it for a living, we do it for fun, all that sort of stuff, and I still consider us to be average Joes. Like I would, I'd read that study and wouldn't even really take it into consideration because it wouldn't really affect us that much. Unless you're a top level athlete or extremely obese, then I would dive into it a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, for cholesterol, uh, cortisol. Cortisol. I, do you have something to say on cortisol? Uh, I'd, I'd say same thing. I've read a few different studies on it, but for us general public, it matters. It doesn't make any difference. I wouldn't even worry about it. As in you wouldn't worry about what, eating before, not eating before? Uh, it doesn't make a difference. It does though. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Um, so from what I've learned, if you don't eat, I only really know for women. I don't know it for men because of hormonal fluctuation and everything like that. But from a female perspective, I would not recommend training fasted because um, when you train your cortisol, it keeps your cortisol levels high. And then it's when you eat carbohydrates that your cortisol levels can come back to the baseline. So you're waking up and training and then not eating until 12 keeps your cortisol levels high for a longer period which over time can compensate and then cause you to lose your men your period like it messes with your menstrual cycle so yeah just from what i've learned in the past having some sort of carbohydrate whether it be like a banana a date toast with jam or honey something like that can just help bring your cortisol levels back down to baseline and then long term prevent your body from being in stress because exercise is a, is a stressor as we've yeah. said um yeah i actually 100 percent agree with that as well like if you've got any sort of hormone issues like insulin cortisol all that sort of stuff like we've said in previous podcasts have protein in your first meal as well mm. helps regulate for the, that for the rest of the day so again this is where you've got to take control of your like Mac and I had different opinions on that because we've had different experiences. Yeah. So you've got to go out, like do as much research as you feel comfortable doing and make up for your own mind. We've yeah. had two different 
opinions on this. We are two different bodies also. And so what is best for you is the thing is that is best for you. So you've got to take the time, do the effort and figure out what is best for you. 100%. Okay, the next one I've got is if I missed a workout earlier in the week, should I still have the scheduled rest day in my program? Mm. Um, I think it would depend on the program. Yeah. So let's, I'll just paint a little picture for everybody. So this question came from a client that is doing our six week home workout program, mm -hmm. um, new mum. So this is like the first thing that she's sort of done since having her baby and she just missed a workout and then she's like, oh, well, I've got a rest day coming up. So what do I do? Do mm. I replace it or? Um, first of all, great program for new mums yeah. because the first two weeks is very low intensity and really good for getting you to move properly and just waking all your muscles and your movements and your flexibility up. Um, because the way I've structured this program, I'd say you probably almost don't need a rest day. You could actually, so it's a six day a week program and you might be thinking, oh shit, six days a week, Jack, that's huge. Mm -hmm. But the workouts are very low intensity and short so you can it's almost like it's just your daily activity for the day yeah so it's 20 to 30 minutes long and if that's all you do that's awesome but if you do a little bit extra walking or something that's an added bonus so you could actually do seven days a week on that program you could choose your favorite one for the week and add that into your rest day yeah um so in that case yeah i'll just say get your workout done and keep moving through it yeah I, I answered pretty much that to her, but I think in general for any program, including this one, I generally tell people, we both generally tell people like to think about the day, it's a 12 hour time window that you're probably even longer for a lot of people awake, doing work, whatever it is you're doing. And if exercise only takes 35 to 45 minutes out of those 12 hours, what are you doing for the other 11? Like if you're sitting down for most of the day and you're not very active, then it, like you said, it's completely fine to exercise seven days a week. I don't know why it's so bad. People say it is so bad to exercise seven days a week when really you sit down for eight hours, eight, five days a week, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah, and that just comes down to the program that it is, that home workout program. Mm -hmm. You can do it seven days a week where so let's say somebody is doing the build and shake program. It's a lot more intensity, a lot more volume. Um, so somebody that was new, sort of going into that program and they missed a Friday workout, but they're like, you know what, I'm feeling pretty beaten up. I, you know, I'm a bit sore here, there. Like, is it important that I get it done? Or I'd just say, you know what, have a couple of days off, just do the trigger sessions or the mobility sessions. Yeah. Um, you've got to sort of listen to your body as well. Like if it's sore and it's saying rest, then rest, but still do some sort of exercise. Yes. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't program. have to be that pro like that programmed workout. Even if you miss it on the Friday and then you're feeling good on the Saturday, yeah, do it on the Saturday, but sort of listen to your body and just sort of mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, did you have a question? I had one question come in. Do we drink kombucha or eat fermented foods? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes and <laughs> hell yes so kombucha I'm here nor there on it uh, I won't drink the ones that you get in the supermarket and that sort of stuff because it's not actually kombucha it's just 
Sugary fizz. Sugary fizz. Um, fermented foods, 100%. I've just realized that we are out of our we sauerkraut. sauerkraut or fermented beetroot. Um, and the place that we normally get it from is always empty when I go in there. Yeah. So, And the thing is, it's fermented foods aren't all equal as well. So if you get your sauerkraut off the supermarket on the shelf, it's not actually fermented foods because all the bacteria in there would die because it's just sitting. It's not cool. It needs to be in a cool environment, like a fridge. Yeah, so you should be getting fermented foods from the fridge in the supermarket. If it's not in there, then yeah, all the bacteria is dead. So it's pointless eating it. Um, but yeah, and obviously, as always, when it comes to that sort of stuff, quality matters. Yeah. Don't just get the cheapest shit because you'll get what you pay for. Mm. Um, but 100% uh, fermented foods like should be in your daily intake. They are, I cannot stress how good fermented foods are for your gut health. Mm. But I think it's recommended that you should have one to four serves of a fermented food a day, mm. which may seem like a lot, but it is a lot. If you don't have any at all, definitely don't start with four, please, because you'll be <laughs> farting like there's no tomorrow. Uh, but just gonna... like one serve, start with one serve and then, yeah, yeah, go from there. I, I was going to say that as well, especially if you get a really good quality um, fermented food. Yeah, just start a little bit and slowly add it in from there. Um, and then a lot of people will say yogurts and cheeses and stuff, but same thing. There's not many yogurts out there on the in the supermarket that you can get that actually have the live cultures in them. Yeah. And cheeses, there's even fewer. So just do, do your research. Exactly. <laughs> and the whole theme of today's show. Yeah. With that point, we'll wrap it up. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. I can't thank you all enough. The podcast is going nuts at the moment. You are all telling us how much you love it. So make sure you leave us a five star review and a positive comment it does help us a lot and it helps this podcast grow so we can help more people and do some more interesting podcasts cool, cool. thanks again and we'll talk to you in the next episode bye <laughs>